sure if Billy was going to intro me or not, but that's okay. <laughs> I don't see him. <laughs> hey. Well, yeah, I am really excited to share with you guys tonight. I actually got a haircut this week. Got my ears lowered. So, yeah, really, really. Um, but no, seriously, um, yeah, I really am. I, Colossians has, it's been a great month uh, for me and the Word personally. Um, Colossians, I, I hadn't studied it much before, but it's awesome. It's becoming one of my favorites. And um, especially Colossians 3, which is where we're going to be at tonight, is, is just really come alive for me. Um, there's just so much hope in this book um, that I really hope <laughs> Uh, comes through tonight through the Spirit. And so, before we start, let's pray. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would reveal truth to us tonight, God. Uh, that we would see more fully uh, the glory of your church and that you would live in us, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, um, let's open our Bibles to Colossians 3. Uh, Colossians chapter 3. So, we're going to go over verses 1 through 17 tonight, um, kind of focusing especially on 10 through 17. Um, but first, I, I want to I look at 1 through 4, what, what Bill read before communion. Um, it says, starting in verse 1, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Amen. So yeah, as Paul tells us in chapter 1, right, Christ in you, the hope of glory, this mystery revealed to us, he says, uh, it, this is central to his ministry and to the letter, right? Um, it, and here we see Paul recentering us on that truth, recentering us on Christ in you before he gets into the rest and like the implications of that. Um, but yeah, this, this is always on Paul's mind throughout this section. It, it's coming through uh, as he's talking about different things. Especially in this case, it comes through that we need to put off the ways of the sin-centered, sin-powered, dying kingdom that we used to live in and put on the new life, which is powered by Christ in us, right? Um, yeah, and so we've talked about that. We talked about that last week. Um, of course, Matt talked to us about who Christ is and how amazing it is that, that, that Jesus lives in you. The distinction, I think, tonight is that up to this point, uh, we've talked about Christ in me and Christ in you and how that affects our lives. Um, however, chapter 3 really gets into Christ in us, like us as a church, as a church community. Um, so that's really what we're going to focus on tonight as we go through chapter 3. And so let's start, let's look at verse 5 through 9. Um, here we see... Paul describe the dying kingdom, the sin-powered kingdom, right? What we were saved out of. 
Uh, so I'm going to start in verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. And so this really, Paul's describing, especially in chapter 5, or I'm sorry, verse 5, what happens when man lives apart from God, right? That's that list. Uh, to put it, to go through it briefly, it talks about sexual immorality. So this is adultery, sex outside of marriage, these, the kind of broken relationships between men and women that happen uh, when we don't live with God, when we're, when we're separated from God. And then he says impurity, he says passion. And this, this really uh, is, if you look at the other places Paul uses the word, it's, it's really like disordered sexual desire, like homosexuality and LGBT stuff. Um, you have evil desire, he says, which is just broadly like wanting what is forbidden, like Eve in the garden. And then covetousness, which is jealousy, greed. And so when man lives apart from God, this is what our lives look like. Um, this is what we turn to. And ultimately, he says, idolatry, right? Worshiping the creature rather than the creator. That's where we end up. That's where we see these sin-powered societies end up. And then we see in verse 8 through 9 how people treat each other in these places. When, when we're living in sin, how we treat each other, right? His anger and wrath, right? So we lose our tempers. We blow up on each other, um, we take things out on each other, uh, malice, so, you know, undermining each other, slander, uh, destroying each other's reputation, right? Talking behind each other's backs, obscenity, lies, you know, uh, misleading each other, trying to position people to get what we want. Um, so, yeah, that, I think to describe that, this is, this is where they end up, right? When, when we're living in sin, we're living apart from God, our communities they fall apart. They, they fall into relational decay, right? Um, I've been reading Lord of the Rings recently, and one of the things in there that, that, while I've been going through this, that really jumped out at me was, you know, whenever the bad guys, the orcs, they catch the hobbits, the good guys, if you haven't read it or seen the movies, um, they always, like, fight with each other over the treasure, and they just end up all killing each other, and the, the good guys go free, right? That happens, like, multiple times. And I think that's, there's a lot of truth in that, that like disunity, right? When, when, when the, like, when you're captured by darkness and sin, just disunity is what happens. You, you can't, you just fall apart. Like the, the, the armies, they fall apart in that book. And I think, and that's true. That's really true. Um, yeah. And then in verse seven, right, Paul says, in these two, you once walked when you were living in them. And so it's really important to remember that that God saved us from this, right? We are in no position to look down on those who are still slaves in this kingdom, right? We were there, and God, praise the Lord, saved us out of it, right? Um, yeah. And so he tells us in verse 9, put all these things to death, right? Put them to death. He says, put the old self, uh, put, to, put to death these things and put off the old self. Um, like, put him out of his misery, right? 
kill him completely. <laughs> root him out. Root him out. There's no room for this. Um, yeah, and, and so he's very serious about that. So like I said, uh, this was us, right? This was us. This is what God saved us from. And so what do we do about it? And then that's when we get into the, I think the really, well, my favorite part at least. Um, verse 10, he says, put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So here Paul is telling us what to do. He's telling us, put on the new self, the, the self that is powered by Christ, not sin, right? And he says, this person is being renewed. So the sin-powered society is destined for death, right? But the kingdom of God, the new man, is being renewed, destined for eternal life. We're going in different directions, right? One towards death, one towards eternal life. And so this, with this in mind, Paul begins to introduce to us a new way of life, a new way of doing community, right? A new way of living together. In verse 11, he says, Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Amen. And so he says, like, here in the kingdom of God, right, here where we are now, we have unity, right? These divisions, they don't matter anymore. As opposed to the world where they have disunity, we have unity here. And he says it's because Christ is all and in all. I love that. Um, Christ is all, right? He is enough. I think, think of what Victor shared last week. He's enough. He's the beginning and the end of our lives and in the kingdom of God, we are all working to the same end, to the same goal, which is exalting Christ. So we can have unity around that in a way the world can't. And he says, Christ is in all. And that means a Christ in me is the same Christ that's in Greg, same Christ that's in Michael. And therefore, my identity as a Christian, it supersedes every other identity, racial, cultural, economic, Right? Yeah, amen. That, that Christ is in us, and that, that's, that's the highest thing. That transcends all this other stuff, all the division. And this is, I think, really key uh, to chapter 3 and to the type of life that Paul describes. Um, I think, and that's because if we want to live lives of love, we have to know who we are in Christ. We have to know that Christ is in us, Right? Every one of us has to for this to work. He says in verse 12, to move on, he, he reminds, Paul reminds us who we are. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, right? He's, he's reminding us we're chosen by God. Uh, we're set apart. Um, we're loved by our Father, right? And then he goes on, so starting in verse 12, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And this is where Paul starts to paint a picture of Christian community, of how we live together in the kingdom of God. I, I want to emphasize that I think it's a picture, right? It's holistic. 
all these things, they go together. It's not just like a checklist, you know. Um, it really is. It's this holistic picture. And so to run, to run down these things here that, that, that Christian community is characterized by, he says we have compassionate hearts, and that's merciful hearts. You know, God has shown us mercy, right? So we got to show mercy to each other, right? That's the natural response, kindness, he says. And then humility, and that's that sense um, of a definition I saw that I liked. He said this sense of like, I am little, right? And I think of Paul as a great example of that, right? He goes from Saul to Paul, Saul the king to like, you know, the, the name of a king to Paul, little guy. I think of John the Baptist, uh, right? John the Baptist says, I must decrease, he must increase, you know, that's humility. Uh, meekness. And when, where other places where Paul uses this, this word, it means like a, a humble posture when we're correcting each other. So if we have to correct each other, you know, we go with this sense of not trying to dunk on the person, right? But like, I'm little, you know, I, I'm, I also need forgiveness. Um, and then patience. Again, as God is towards us, right? God was long-suffering towards us. He was patient with us, uh, patient with the, with the people of Israel. And that's how we're called to be with each other. And then verse 13, he says, bearing with one another. Um, and that is to endure with each other, to put up with each other, right? Uh, to not give up on each other. I think of iron sharpening iron, right? That's bearing with one another. We're, we, we may grate on each other, but we come out stronger and sharper as a result. Right? So we bear with each other. And then we forgive one another, right? Um, we cancel each other's debts. When we are wronged by someone in the present, we bear with them. And when we're, someone has wronged us in the past, we forgive them. Right? That's, that's how we live with each other in the kingdom of God. And then in verse 14... Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And so love here, this is agape love, right? Brotherly love. And he says, in Christian community, our life together is it's held together by love. And he, he says that we can live in perfect harmony with each other. When we do this, every, we, all, we live together in perfect harmony when we put on love. So I love, uh, you know, I love that metaphor of harmony. Um, you know, if you're a musician or if you're into music, you may know, I'm sure you've experienced this, that um, when, if just one voice in the group or the ensemble is sharp or flat, it's not harmony anymore. It's just out of tune, <laughs> you know. Um, it, all voices must be in tune to be in harmony. And if you're not a musician and you don't know what out of tune sounds like, Sometime at the end of church, after we're done with the sermon and we're singing, sometimes they forget to turn off Billy's mic, and then you will know what out of tune sounds like, okay? I feel bad that he's not in here. I was like, ah, but that's okay. Anyways, he'll hear it. Maybe, he'll, maybe he heard it out there, but yeah, so yeah, we, <laughs> love is essential, right? Uh, God, Paul says, above all these, put on love, right? This this is like primary in his mind. And I think, think of 1 Corinthians 13. He says, this is verse 1 and 2. Paul says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. So we may, you know, that's, that's, what's, that's what he's saying here. We, we have to put this, this has to be present for this to work. Um, you know, we, like, we may forgive or bear with each other, but if it's not from a place of love, it doesn't really matter. If it's just going along to get along, it's nothing, right? You know, it, I think probably some of us have been here where, you know, maybe you act like, yeah, you know you should forgive the person, but there's still bitterness in there, right? And you didn't really forgive them. It's not from love. It's just because you know you should, or you're just doing it because people are expecting you to. And so that, that, doesn't, that doesn't count, right? <laughs> it has to be from love. Uh, love has to hold all this together. It is essential. And then verse 15, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. I love this too. It, you know, to me, what, one of the most amazing truths of the gospel, one of the most hopeful, I think, is that we now have peace with God, and so we can now have peace with each other, right? We, we were reconciled to God, and now we're reconciled to each other too. We can have unity with God. We can have unity with each other. There's this you know, that's what he's saying, like the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, and we're called to that peace with, with each other in one body. Um, so I love that, love that. And, and then for, moving on to verse 16, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I think Billy really brought this out well in week one, when he talked about how when we gather together, uh, Christ in me ministers to you, and Christ in you ministers to me. We let the word of Christ, Christ is in us, we let that come out, and we, we teach each other, we worship with each other, right? Um, we admonish each other, that means we correct each other. Um, and that's, that's really, when it's, when it's, when it's right, when it's, when it's going on in a healthy way, it's Christ coming out of us, doing these things, right? Uh, in worship, I love that, right? We, when we worship God together, it's, we, we, the word of Christ is, is, is kindled, it's coming out. Um, and I think, you know, he says, we do this with one another, right? And I think that's really key uh, to remember here that, you know, of course we can worship God alone, uh, and I think we can even be instructed by Scripture on our own through, you know, meditating on the Word and memorizing. Um, but that's not enough. On our own is not enough, right? It, we have to worship with one another. We have to, we need the Word opened up to us by one another. That's, that's what, that's, that's essential, right? That, that's being a Christian. <laughs> it has to be with, other, with one another. And so Paul really here uh, sums it up in verse 17, this whole section. Um, he says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so Paul again reminds us who we are, right? That we do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, like we fly the banner of the Lord Jesus, right? That's who we are. Um, and it's also that Christ is the reason for all that we do, like he is the source. Um, 
We see this throughout chapter 3. In verse 13, he says, As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Uh, Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So throughout, he keeps pointing us back to, to Jesus, that he's the source. He's the reason we do it because he did it. We do it because he did it for us, right? Our life together, it flows from Christ in us and from what Christ has done for us. But yeah, that's, that's it. That is the picture, right? And, and it's such, what a beautiful way to live, right? <laughs> I would want that. I, I, you know, and it it's really is an amazing picture, I think, that Paul's painted when you put it all together and like imagine what that would be like. You know, it's pretty easy to imagine the sinful kingdom. You just, you know, turn on like Nickelodeon or whatever. You know, you see it on there. But, but this, man, like this is, this is amazing. And it, it, it's kind of, it can be hard to get a hold of, I think, in our minds. Um, and so how do we do it, right? How do we do it? How do we manifest this in, in our lives in the world? I think it's interesting. Paul doesn't tell us, he doesn't say, oh, just be kind, right? He doesn't say, just give peace a chance, you know? He knows that, Apart from God, we can't do it, right? We can't just do it. So he's told us to put it on. He says that like three times. He says, put on the new self. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. He says, then again, put on love, right? He keeps saying, using this term, put on, put it on. Um, And so what is that? And the word literally means to be clothed in or to, I like this one, to sink into a garment, you know, to put on love or to sink into love. Um, And I think it's a bit confusing, but I I think that the story of Joseph is really helpful here to to bring this out, right? So Joseph from from the Old Testament, Joseph is loved by his father Jacob, right? And to show that he loves him, his father makes him a coat of many colors for him to wear. And that coat tells the world that he's loved by his father. And so, like Joseph, our father has made clothing for us to put on to show the world that we're, that we're loved by him, right? To show the world who we are. Um, our clothing, though, is a way of living with each other, right? It's, it's virtues, it's practices, it's, it's the ways we interact, but like the coat, it's something we receive from God, right? That's why he tells us to put it on. We still, we have to put it on, right? It's not, we still have to do it. We still have to put it on. I think of the book of James. In the book of James, it says, and this is one of my favorite portions of scripture, I think, in, in the whole Bible. But it says, for if, this is chapter 1, verses 23 through 24. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like, right? And so we, we know that we can, as Christians, forget what we look like, right? We can forget who we are. We can forget that Christ is in us. Um, I know I do often. But we can't do that. We, we got to put it on. That's what Paul's telling us. He's saying, remember who you are and put on this way of living, Right? Put on this way of loving each other. And so, how do we do it, right? How do we do it? I think I got a few ways here. Um, we spend time with God, 
right? We, we get away from distraction and we spend time with God in prayer and reading because that's really meeting with our fathers where we, we start to remember who we are. We look to Christ's life, the church in, in Acts, right? We have, an example, we have examples of godly men and women throughout history to look to. Uh, we obey his commandments. We obey Jesus' commandments. Um, and, and of course, we're discipled, right, by, by older and wiser men and women who have lived this way, who have been doing it longer than us, who uh, pour, pour, in, pour their life into us, pour their wisdom into us, and, and bring us along with them, right? And I think, I want to say too here, I think it's, it's really important to remember that we don't have to all have our lives totally in order before we can start living this way, right? And like Paul recognizes this. He recognizes that we'll hurt each other in here because he calls us to forgiveness and to bearing with each other. So he knows that there will be hurt and, and wronging. Um, but what he's saying is that living in community is how we are perfected, right? That, that, that living this way is how we're perfected, how we're renewed into the image of our creator, right? Um, and so again, like Joseph, like, like with Joseph's coat, as the world sees our life together, the world notices that we're different, right? The world notices, and they're drawn to the church, the city on the hill, right? In uh, Jesus, in John 13, verse 35, he says, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Right? By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So that's it. That's, that is the calling, um, that, that's what we're called to. Living in this way, it's not just in a thing that we enjoy, but it, it goes outward and calls in the nations, right? So yeah, yeah, and amen. And worship team, y'all can come on up, I think, wherever John is. But before we close out in, in application, um, there were a few things I, I did want to say. Um, you know, it, it is a very humbling experience, I would say, to prepare uh, and deliver a sermon to you all, to LCF, about Christian community. I mean, I mean, many of you all have been doing this for like almost 50 years at LCF. That's, that's amazing. And I know um, for me, the church life here was probably the major thing that God used to call me out of sin uh, when I came here eight years ago. Um, so I you might think, well, why, why talk about this at length? Why share this? Um, and it goes back to, to what we talked about at the beginning. I, I just see so much hope in this, in this picture, um, in, in Paul's words in Colossians, right? And I, I want us to have that hope to really see what, what it can be fully, uh, fully realized, you know? Like, I, I want us to see that I, I want us to believe that we really can forgive each other, like totally forgive each other, truly, truly forgive each other, um, that we can bear with each other and like not give up, like stick it out, <laughs> you know? Gosh, these things are so, they're so uncommon and the world is so cynical about them now, but we can do it. Like that's what Paul's telling us, right? We can have unity together as a church, um, Paul says, if we put on love, we can live in perfect harmony. 
you know, I, I don't, I don't want to gloss over the perfect, perfect harmony, right? This is with, with, we have every resource to live this way. We have Christ in us, right? We have Christ in us. Like, we, we can be the city on the hill. Like, that can happen. We can glorify God through the way we live together. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I know, man, what we have at LCF is so good in so many ways. Um, but I know we're not perfect, right? I know because I know myself, right? <laughs> I know we're not perfect. So I just want to say, uh, I hope that, I, I, want, I want us to have hope. I, I know this has really stirred up hope in me, uh, that the hope that we can, we can go further in, right? We can go further up, right? That's, that's it. That, that is. And, you know, if we just, it's just imagining, it, it's, it, it's so amazing to just imagine the glory of every American Christian would live in unity with each other, right? I, it would change, history would be, the history of this nation would be changed. <laughs> like, I, I don't think revival would be good enough of a word. Like, they would have to find a new word. I mean, it would, it, it would be huge. And, and so I, I just, I, I don't want us to lose sight of that, right? How, how, how high of a calling this is and how glorious it is. Um, so yeah, it, so to end with that, I, I want to I end with a reading from Revelation that is about the future. It's about where we're headed. It's about our new clothing uh, that, we, that we'll receive someday. It's, I think it's about really that this is possible with Christ in us, what we're about to read. So this is Revelation 7, 9 through 14. <clears throat> After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Amen. Let's worship.